chapter seven part one of a common story by ivan goncharov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter seven part one about a year had passed since the scenes and events related in the last chapter alexander changed by slow degrees from the depths of despair to the numbness of despondency lizaveta alexandrovna consoled him with all the tenderness of a friend and a sister he willingly yielded himself to this sweet guardianship all such natures as his love to give their will into the keeping of another for them a nurse is a necessity passion had at last died away in him his genuine grief had passed but he was sorry to part with it he kept it up by force or better to say created an artificial sorrow for himself played with it beautified it and revelled in it it pleased him somehow to play the part of a victim he was subdued dignified gloomy like a man supporting in his own words a blow from fate lizaveta alexandrovna listened indulgently to his lamentations and comforted him as she could it was not altogether disagreeable perhaps to her because in spite of everything she found in her nephew sympathy for her own heart she heard in his complaint against love the expression of sufferings not unfamiliar to her she eagerly listened to the utterances of his grief and answered them with imperceptible sighs and tears unseen by any one she even found for her nephew's feigned and mawkish sorrows words of consolation in a like tone and spirit but alexander would not even listen oh don't speak to me my aunt was his reply i don't want to dishonour the holy name of love by using it for my relations with that here he made a disdainful face and was ready like pyotr ivanitch to say that what's her name however he would add with still greater disdain it was pardonable in her i was on a higher level than she and the count and all their pitiful and petty circle it is not strange that i remain misunderstood by her my uncle declares that i ought to be grateful to nadinka he continued for what her love was all vulgarity and commonplaceness was there any heroism or self-sacrifice to be seen in it no everything was carried on by her almost with her mother's knowledge did she once for my sake overstep the conventions of the world and duty never that love indeed what kind of love would you expect from a woman asked lizaveta alexandrovna what replied alexander i should expect from her the first place in her heart the woman i love ought not to notice not to see any man except me every minute not spent with me should be for her a minute lost lizaveta alexandrovna tried to conceal a smile alexander did not notice it for my part he went on with flashing eyes she ought to be ready to sacrifice every pitiful consideration of profit and advantage throw off the despotic yoke of her mother or her husband flee with me if need be to the ends of the earth bear resolutely every privation that is love but and how would you have rewarded such love asked his aunt i oh began alexander casting his eyes up to heaven i would have consecrated my whole life to her i would have lain down at her feet but did i not show nadinka how i could love so you don't believe in feeling at all when it is not shown as you wish it to be strong feeling is often concealed you don't want to persuade me ma tante that such is the feeling concealed by my uncle for instance 
lizaveta alexandrovna suddenly blushed she could not but agree inwardly with her nephew that emotion without any kind of expression was a somewhat dubious thing that possibly it was non-existent altogether that if it did exist it would have forced its way out and that over and above love itself its external manifestations were possessed of an inexpressible charm here she passed in mental review every period of her married life and fell into a deep reverie her nephew's indiscreet hint stirred in her heart the secret which she was hiding in its depths and roused it to the question was she happy she had no right to complain all the outward conditions of happiness of which the world is in pursuit were fulfilled according to the programme laid down her husband had worked untiringly and continued still to do so but what was the real aim of his labours did he work for the common ends of humanity fulfilling the task laid on him by destiny or only for petty objects to attain the consideration of rank and wealth among people or perhaps that he might not become the slave of poverty of circumstance god only knew lizaveta alexandrovna could only come to the mournful conclusion that she and love for her were not the sole aim of his effort and activity he had toiled as much before his marriage before he knew anything of his wife he neither spoke to her of his love nor asked for love from her and he met her questions on the subject with a joke or an epigram soon after his acquaintance with her he had begun to talk of marriage as though giving her to conclude that love was an understood thing in it and that it was useless to talk much about it he had an aversion to scenes of all kinds that was well enough but he did not like genuine demonstrations of feeling and did not believe in the need of them in others meanwhile he might by a single glance a single word have created in her a deep passion for him but he did not say the word he did not care to the fact did not even flatter his vanity she tried to arouse his jealousy thinking that then love must find expression nothing came of it directly he noticed that she preferred the society of a certain young man he hastened to invite him to the house and show him friendliness was untiring in his praise of his character and was not afraid of leaving him alone with his wife lizaveta alexandrovna sometimes deceived herself imagining that perhaps pyotr ivanitch was acting from policy might not his secret method consist in maintaining perpetual doubt in her and in that way maintaining love itself but at her husband's first mention of love she was immediately disillusioned if he had been coarse unpolished narrow slow-witted one of those husbands whose name is legion whom it is so excusable so necessary so consoling to deceive for their own sakes even who seem to have been created for their wives to look round them and fall in love with their diametrical opposites then it would have been a different matter she would very likely have behaved as the majority of wives do behave in like case but pyotr ivanitch was a man of an intelligence and tact not often to be met with he was subtle quick-witted skilful he understood all the agitations of the heart and troubles of the soul but he understood them and nothing more a complete index to the affairs of the heart was in his head but not in his heart in his reasoning on this subject it was clear that he was talking as of something he had heard and learnt by rote but had not felt at all lizaveta alexandrovna felt his intellectual superiority to all surrounding him and was tortured by it if only he were not so clever she thought i should have been saved he was bent on positive aims that was clear 
and he expected that his wife should not lead a life of dreams but my god thought lizaveta if he only married to have a lady at the head of his house to give his bachelor quarters the fullness and dignity of a family home so as to have greater weight in society a housekeeper a wife in the most prosaic sense of these words but with all his intelligence didn't he understand that love is present even in the positive aims of a woman oh let me pay for passion in agony let me endure every suffering that is inseparable from love if only i may live a complete life if only i may feel that i am living and not stagnating she looked at her luxurious furniture and all the toys and costly knick-knacks of her boudoir and all this luxury seemed to her a cold mockery of real happiness she had to look on at two monstrous extremes in her husband and her nephew one enthusiastic to folly the other frozen to hardness how little both of them and the greater part of men understand real feeling and how well i understand it she thought and what is the good of it why oh if only she hid her eyes and stayed so some instants then uncovered them looked round sighed heavily and at once resumed her ordinary calm demeanour unhappy woman no one knew of it no one saw it one day alexander came to his aunt in a paroxysm of ill-humour with the whole human species lizaveta alexandrovna began to inquire the cause you want to know he began in a subdued rapt tone what is now my frenzied ill i will tell you you know i had a friend whom i had not seen for some years but who had always kept a niche in my heart when i was first here uncle forced me to write a queer letter to him in which were inserted his favourite maxims and ways of thinking but i tore it up and sent another as it happened so there was no lessening of our friendship from that after that letter our correspondence dropped and i lost sight of my friend what has happened now three days ago walking along the nevsky prospect i suddenly saw him i was on fire in a minute and tears were starting into my eyes i stretched out my hands to him but could not utter a word for joy i was quite faint he took one hand and shook it how are you adouev he said in a voice as though we had only parted the day before have you been here long he was surprised that we had not met before lightly inquired what i was doing what office i was in thought it needful to inform me at length that he had a splendid position and liked his work his superiors and his companions and everybody and his fate then said he had no time to spare that he was hurrying to a dinner-party he had been invited to do you hear ma tante i'm meeting a friend after this long separation he could not put off a dinner-party but perhaps they would have been waiting for him observed his aunt propriety does not permit propriety against friendship and you too ma tante but there is something more i had better tell you he pressed his address into my hand and that he would expect me the evening of the next day and was gone so be it then i thought i will go i arrived there were some ten people there friends of his he held out his hand to me in a more friendly way than the day before it's true but then without uttering a word at once proposed that we should sit down to cards i said that i did not play and took a seat alone on the sofa expecting that he would throw down his cards and come to me don't you play said he in surprise what will you do then a nice question so i waited an hour two hours he did not come to me i reached the limit of my patience he offered me first a cigar then a pipe regretted that i did not play that i was bored tried to occupy me 
how do you imagine by constantly turning to me and describing every successful and unsuccessful card he played at last i could bear it no longer i went up to him and asked did he intend to devote any time to me that evening and my heart seemed boiling within me my voice shook it seemed to surprise him he looked at me curiously very well he said let us finish the rubber as this was all he said to me i seized my hat and was about to go but he noticed it and stopped me the rubber is just over he said we will have supper directly at last they finished the game he took a seat near me and yawned that was how our friendly conversation began you wanted to say something to me he inquired this was said in such a matter-of-fact unfeeling voice that i simply gazed at him with a mournful smile then he suddenly seemed to thaw and began to ply me with questions what's the matter with you isn't there something you are in want of couldn't i be of use to you in your official work and so on i shook my head and told him that i did not want to talk to him of my work but of what was nearer to my heart then i began to tell him of my love of my sufferings of the emptiness of my heart i began to be carried away and thought that the story of my sufferings was breaking through the crust of ice that his eyes were not quite unbedewed by tears when suddenly he burst out laughing i looked at him he had a handkerchief in his hands he had been trying to control himself all the time i was talking at last he could hold out no longer i stopped in dismay enough enough he said better drink some vodka and we will have supper boy some vodka come come ha ha there's some capital roast ha ha roast beef he was going to take me by the hand but i tore myself away and fled from the monster there that's what men are like ma tante said alexander in conclusion then with a wave of the hand he was gone lizaveta alexandrovna felt pity for alexander piotr ivanitch she said to him affectionately one day i have a request to make of you what is it guess tell me you know your requests are never refused i dare say it's about a country villa well it's still rather early no said lizaveta alexandrovna alexander was with me the day before yesterday ah i feel there's something wrong interposed piotr ivanitch well then lizaveta alexandrovna told him all she had heard from her nephew piotr ivanitch gave a vigorous shrug what do you want me to do in the matter you see what a fellow he is you show him sympathy ask him what is the state of his heart you don't want me to weep with him it would do no harm ugh that alexander he is a burden said piotr ivanitch a terrible burden once a month to receive a letter from an old lady and to throw it without reading it under the table or to talk a little to your nephew why it keeps you from your whist you men you men if you have a good dinner lafitte with a gold label and cards it's everything and no trouble about any one if you have a chance of boasting and showing off as well then you are happy just what flirtation is for you observed piotr ivanitch every one to his taste my dear what more would you have why some heart of that there is never anything it's vexing and sad to see you said lizaveta under her breath come come don't be angry i will do all you ask me only teach me how said piotr ivanitch explain to him in a kind way what can be asked and expected of friends in these days tell him that his friend is not so much to blame as he imagines but can i teach you you are so clever and so good at dissembling added lizaveta alexandrovna 
piotr ivanitch knitted his brows a little at the last word have you been going in for sincere outbursts pray he said with irritation and now you want to drag me into it it's for the last time however said lizaveta alexandrovna i hope that after this he will be pacified piotr ivanitch shook his head incredulously there's someone rang the bell isn't it he what am i to do tell me again give him a lecture what else money a lecture indeed why you'll make it worse i asked you to talk a little of friendship of affection but more kindly more sympathetically alexander made his bow in silence and in silence ate a hearty dinner and between the courses rolled up little pellets of bread and looked from under his eyebrows at the bottles and decanters after dinner he was going to take his hat again where are you off to said piotr ivanitch sit with us a little alexander obeyed in silence piotr ivanitch thought how he could approach the subject in a gentle and discreet manner and at once asked speaking briskly i have heard alexander that your friend has treated you badly in some way at these unexpected words alexander drew back his head as though he had been wounded and bent a gaze full of reproach upon his aunt she too had not anticipated such a crude opening of the subject and at first let her head droop over her work then looked also with reproach at her husband but he was under the combined influence of digestion and drowsiness and did not perceive the import of these looks alexander answered his question by a scarcely audible sigh seriously continued piotr ivanitch what treachery what a friend he had not seen him for five years and when they met he did not smother his friend with embraces but invited him in the evening tried to make him play cards and to give him supper and then treacherous creature noticed the sulky looks on his friend's face and set to questioning him about his affairs his circumstances his needs what base curiosity no sincere outpourings awful awful please let me see this monster bring him on friday to nine but what stakes does he play for i don't know said alexander angrily you may laugh uncle you are right i alone am to blame to believe in men to seek sympathy in whom to cast pearls before whom all around me is baseness cowardice pettiness and i still keep my youthful faith in goodness virtue constancy end of chapter seven part one recording by expatriate in bangor maine